Hey friends, welcome to the Trapidemic Podcast with uh, me, Alex Wilson. Um, today's podcast is just me, by myself, and uh, it's fun, I think, hopefully. <laughs> As I mentioned at the end of this podcast, I've had some issues with the audio, um, Last week I had one lined up that that person unfortunately couldn't make. We had to reschedule. That's perfectly fine. And uh, the week before I had one with Dr. David Saunders and I've had some audio issues. Uh, But we'll get that sorted and get that out to you uh, in its edited form uh, as as soon as we can. There's nothing topical in it. We talk about consciousness and cool things. So the nature of reality and, and as the nature of reality and AI and stuff, and as none of that stuff, as the nature of reality is not changing within the next, you know, couple of weeks, we can, I can hold on to that, and then, and then get it out to you whenever, so, so that'll be cool, but, uh, yeah, this one is just me, and I'm talking about, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, work, and life, and higher education, and finding the thing that you want to do. And, you know, the fact that, you know, there is sort of a propensity for us to avoid. I just, just listen to it, you'll see it. <laughs> you'll see what I'm talking about. I dart all over the place, but I don't mind, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about doing the podcast alone sometimes. I'm not sure how I feel. Uh, it may be a case where if I do ones alone, that I'll just do extra ones. Or I do AMAs, uh, like Ask Me Anything, with questions. In which case I'd announce ahead of time that I'm going to be doing uh, an individual one. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, this is, yeah, I don't know if I want to include it in the numbers, either. Ah, fuck it, we'll work it out. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) Welcome to the Trapidemic Podcast. Episode 4 With me, Alex P. Wilson Thank you to those listening And uh, to anyone that's shared Got some useful feedback From listeners and The numbers seem to be doing uh, Better, much quicker growth than, uh, than we thought would happen this stage so thank you very much for that it enables us to really gauge the content that is useful um, for us that we like to listen to the ideas we like to talk about the sort of things we like to to gain knowledge on the growth we want to we want to try and foster 
if you enjoy the free content and hopefully well it will the content will remain free if you enjoy the free content there's numerous ways you can support the podcast you can support just simply by sharing telling your friends you can support by leaving us a review on on iTunes or on Stitcher those reviews help with the the metric of ranking um, which again brings more listeners and, and more people into the conversation and enables us to get um, more guests more more people on to share their ideas and, and to, to join our platform uh, other than sharing you can support the podcast um, using Patreon if you wish uh, you can access that through the site, through the trapademic.com site, or just search Trapademic on Patreon. Um, it's open to leave donations of as much as you want on a per episode basis, on a monthly basis. Whatever you feel. I think the lowest amount is a dollar a month, I think, so 25 cents a week which is what about 70p something up to whatever you know it's open if you don't wish to donate and support that's perfectly fine patreon will enable us to keep it ad free permanently for good but um yeah if it would get to a point where you you feel as though you wouldn't want to pay for content which may be the future you know a model of free content is not I don't know how sustainable that is I guess we'll see at some point ads are going to get too intrusive they get annoying like you know nobody wants the ads that come up on YouTube who voted for those especially now that those ads become are coming up mid video like really mid video not even at a point I mean at least on television they cut it at a point where it would go to commercials at least on live shows the person says okay now we're going to go to commercials and it goes to the adverts just mid sentence mid video could be a really important bit really emotional bit you're just going to cut and play an advert for a game normally a game I already have or a game I have no interest in ever playing <clears throat> I know the ads are tailored and that's how we pay for things nothing's actually free we pay with our with our presence on that site I guess with our attention interesting really it raises the point on what we are when we're on social media really doesn't it if you think about it we are actually the product we're the product so Facebook sells to advertisers us our attention we're the product we're not the users we're not who the product's designed to serve Facebook's not the product we are. Which is fine. 
actually. I'm not complaining about that. This is not some kind of a conspiracy. It's obvious that that's what it is and that's what's happening. But social media like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, those kind of things could really help people. It could show you the next video, something that would be beneficial to your life, something that would help in what you're doing. But that's not the goal. That's not its job. It could do those things. And just complaining that it doesn't do those things and saying it's evil because it doesn't do those things. Uh, it's incorrect. It's, it's purpose is to sell you as a product. And you can get something out of the relationship in that it's a media platform that you can put things on, that you can voice your opinion on. But just be aware, nothing you're doing is free. You're paying for it with your attention and your information. Information's the easy one. You look and you think, okay, they, so they must sell my email address or whatever. They're selling the things you look at. And that goes with everything. And now our devices are all smart and all talk to each other and all the programs within those devices talk to each other. I don't know why we assume that they don't. Some of us, I mean, I have been guilty of assuming that, you know, whatever app doesn't know what you do in a different app, doesn't know the things you look at on Safari. Fortunately, you sign into anything. It does. I mean, anyone who's ever looked at engagement rings knows that for sure. You look at engagement rings one time. And it'll start showing you wedding stuff. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sound higher. It's, uh, it's useful in one way. Especially because now, you know, if you're searching something and it's not right, like I was searching uh, for something. Uh, the Jocko podcast and I put in Echo Charles I'm trying to find Echo Charles on Twitter and Jocko Willink and it completed it for me I misspelled Echo the first time I put it in just, just as a typo and as I was deleting it I realised the suggestions had come up with Echo Charles and I already realised it whereas had I not previously searched for Jocko podcast I wouldn't know uh, the computer, sorry, wouldn't know. The algorithm wouldn't know that that's what Echo I was looking for. I was looking, looking for a person called Echo Charles. Not, you know, the echo, the sound thing. It's useful in that manner. It's useful for spelling mistakes and things like that. Makes searching a lot easier. Gives you tailored things. Problem is, is if those tailored things are sort of political. Tailoring politically, I guess, is, is never going to be a good thing because you are constantly in your bubble and the left side or the right side, but you're constantly in your little bubble of people that agree with you. Uh, people that agree with you only. I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's it's important to have a free marketplace of ideas. Ideas that conflict with what you believe generally or there are different perspectives from people who perhaps have had a different journey, different life uh, course to get to where you are now it's the biggest thing I guess in super conservative neighbourhoods 
that their idea of the way the working class works is based on media or the conversations they've had with their cleaning lady. Not an accurate representation, not any true understanding of, of the the life things that have to happen to somebody in order for these things to be issues. If you look at crime, for instance, a lot of people will just assume some people are no good when they're committing certain crimes, but don't actually really think, what are the, the things that lead to this? Can this person be helped? Is there an unpacking of these behaviours that can happen rather than the lock-up and throw away the key, sort of? Because that only produces sort of a perpetual cycle of coming out and reoffending, of recidivism. Most people don't really take into account you know, what is it about this person or the things that have happened in their life or their other social interactions or even just their day or the way you looked at them, maybe, <clears throat> that has led to this behaviour and this response? We don't, often, we don't often take those things into account. We don't often care enough, actually, because generally we're in our own ego. I am too. We all are. I don't mean to preach a holier than thou. I'm not even remotely close to that. I don't think anybody is. We have this this need to protect ourselves. It's, a, it's a part of being human. We protect our feelings. And we do that by externalizing. We make everybody else the reason, you know, that person's being a dick because they're a dick. Not because, you know, someone cut them up, they've had a shit day or they're late or their child is sick or their mother's ill. We externalise and we think, whatever. Or, you know, maybe we weren't particularly polite. And it can get really complicated. Maybe culturally we did something that's rude to their culture or perhaps we're perceiving their behaviour as rude when in fact it's perfectly fine but culturally we're the different one we have a difference life is so much more complicated than we can than I think our tiny little brains can handle at least than I, maybe it's just my tiny little brain can't handle it but to really take into account everything everybody does all the time. It kind of gives you a perspective to really think, well, you know, maybe this person is behaving this way because of a certain number of factors they can't change. And that's not even, that's not even taking into account their genetics. Perhaps some people are, are more genetically predisposed to behave in certain ways. And then there are social triggers that cause this behavior. 
exacerbate this behavior in some way this behavior perhaps has been rewarded as child as, as children in attention or rewarded as a, as adult financially or again with attention or with respect if you look at violent individuals perhaps their idea of respect is fear because that's how their parents ruled the roost you know So they try and do that to others, perhaps. It's complicated. It's far more complicated than simply, you know, some people are worse than others. You know, it's not. There are things that institutionally keep people down in this country, keep working class people down, or an underclass, below working class. There are things institutionally that keep individuals down based on the color of their skin. Which is obviously abhorrent. Many people think that uh, race relations is just a, a problem for the states, in, as in the US. I'm not sure I agree. In fact, I know I don't agree. It's the stop and search rule for one in this country. Maybe influenced by US media, perhaps. Whatever the, the Americans do, the rest of the world follows. The rest of the Western world follows for sure. just uh, there are rules that keep ethnic minorities suppressed in some way you know I was looking into uh, CBD businesses so marijuana, cannabis based companies in the states and the drug war in the states has been a race war since its conception disproportionate amounts of African American Americans African Americans are harassed and arrested and prosecuted and essentially kept in the area they're living, segregated. Disproportionate amounts of African Americans are pulled over and checked. Disproportionate amounts of police officers, by in order to fill their quotas that they have, which again, is an awful way to do policing, to fulfill their quotas, disproportionate amounts. of uh, people of colour it's not just African Americans but also uh, Latin populations disproportionate amounts of people of colour are arrested and prosecuted and imprisoned for what is essentially a plant and that is a plant that is you know since its first 
uh, you know, campaign to make it illegal from William Randolph Hearst's campaign to make it illegal. Printing stories in newspapers claiming that it makes black people rape white women and associating it with the word marijuana, which is a wild Mexican tobacco, to make it sound foreign and Mexican. You're associating cannabis with people of colour in a negative light. Only now to find that in some places, in order to legally operate as a grower, now that legalisation is gradually sweeping the country, to legally operate as a grower, an operator of perhaps a CBD oil company, pain management for people, or information, dealing with information, that you need 20 years of experience in a, a, a citrus growing industry. <clears throat> or that you have to be a thousand feet from a church, school, or liquor store. Let's just think for a second. In hood areas, you are never very far from a church, a school, or a liquor store. So again, based on race, because you've segregated people into these areas based on race, They can't operate legally in these industries. Now you might think, okay, but it's to protect the children. Schools? Okay, fine. But I don't, then, I mean, liquor stores shouldn't operate within a thousand feet of schools. But okay, so they're legal. Okay, fine. Alcohol's legal. And these cannabis products are only recently legal in those states. Fine. Okay. We'll see that argument. Logically then at some point it's going to have to be okay to have these stores, cannabis stores and CBD companies. These, By the way, these aren't even just the stores. These are just the headquarters of the businesses or the warehouses where this stuff is grown or the land where it's grown and processed into oils. But logically, fine. Away from schools. Why is churches on that list? A thousand feet from a church? What does that have to do with anything? For one. But it's the forcing of people of colour into a certain area. The segregation. Into these densely populated urban areas. And then making rules that prevent or make it incredibly difficult 
for anybody to get out of those areas without becoming a professional athlete or a musician. And not a self-serving, independent musician most of the time. The music industry is slavery in a different way. You know, artists are given 360 deals now. A 360 deal means the music industry owns you and your name and your likeness. And anything you do, not just the music you put out, but any advert you're in, any clothing line you support, they get a chunk of everything you do. And to make it worse, to make it far worse, You barely get paid for your music because of streaming services. See, record labels, the big record labels, had to get in bed with these streaming services because they didn't get in bed with them in the first place. <coughs> when Napster and LimeWire were doing their thing, these record labels resisted. And it wasn't anything, yeah, it's minor, you know. And Spotify happened. And now you have all the others that are doing their thing. And per listen, artists get, what, fractions of a penny, like, for each listen. And the reason they do that, the reason they get so little, comparatively, compared to how much, you know, you would selling records, the reason you get so little is because these record labels in exchange for being able to pay the artists such a small amount are given equity positions. They're given equity in these streaming services. So as these streaming services grow in popularity and grow financially, the record labels make more money because they have equity. They own a piece of these streaming services. So in exchange for equity, the record labels have sold their artists down the road. So they make very little money from their art. Which they refer to as a product, which makes me sort of queasy. Yet yeah, we have this image of... Millions and millions of pounds and millions of dollars. And these recording artists, they may make lots and lots of money. And that's the argument for many people when you say music industry is slavery. They say, please, come on, they're getting paid. And they're making more money than they would have had they not blown up. The point is, you're taking the money that they really earned. You're taking far more as a music industry. You're taking far more from the artists than you should. The artists may be making lots of money, but they're making a lot less than they should. That's the point. 
The idea is that with the internet, that that would be different because the artists can can be the content providers they are directly to the consumer. Problem is that's just not convenient. It just isn't. The streaming services are a great idea. They're super duper convenient. Everything you could possibly listen to is right there. You can have people set up playlists so you can discover new music. Music that you would never have been exposed to previously. You can hear the art based on Warren and, and you can choose whether you enjoy it. But obviously the record industry has sold their artists. Sold their their art. Sold somebody else's art. Someone else's product as they would describe it. For equity. They've pimped them out. To use, you know, there's no better analogy. Artists have been pimped out and it's disgusting. It's very difficult to see and how that would change. I think it's reached a point where, you know, it's too it's too far. My hope is that the same kind of thing can't happen uh, with content providers on YouTube, for example, or gamers providing content. I can't see how it can now. I think on the flip side, that's come too far. And I think the next stage really is higher education is doing the same thing. A lot of universities now and colleges are sort of trying to move to a more, uh, I guess, self-discipline based studentship. Where the onus is more on you. I mean, the onus has always been on you as the student to seek the information that you want, seek the, the knowledge that you're trying to gain. <clears throat> and the university provide the professors and, and the members of staff with the knowledge base to be counsel for you in, in improving that, that knowledge. And also to provide the incredible services that universities do in you know, the maintenance of the buildings and the libraries and the, the experts at hand in the libraries and academic tutoring and a safe place for you to grow up, to learn how to be an adult and to develop yourself as a person, your ideas politically, socially, environmentally, whatever, critically. Critically, I think, is the important word there. The marketplace of ideas is a university. It's a beautiful concept. But as universities move towards a more, let's say, video-based, video lectures, you know, um, 
sort of Skype conference calls and blogs and those kind of things. Why can't the, you know, the lecturers and professors and those with the knowledge base, those with the content, why can they not be the content providers independently? If a university no longer operates with classrooms and lecture theatres, 10, 15 years down the line, why would anybody, once the novelty is worn off, why would anybody pay a university for the room that they provide to turn the projector on? Why would you not just do that through YouTube for free? And the content provider make their money in whatever way, so through Patreon, maybe just voluntary, like this podcast is. Voluntary donations for those that want, or just likes and shares, and reviews on iTunes, or on YouTube, whatever, likes, or through advertising. If the content provider reads adverts that are useful, that are beneficial to those that listen, and maybe they find cool products, discount codes and stuff like that, and that's how it becomes a feasible financial thing for the content provider, for the lecturer, the professor, the expert. And it still remains free to access for those that want to. Or those that can't donate, they don't have to. Or if you don't feel it worth donating, or you're just, you, you only want to listen to one because it has a person that you want to listen to. Or you only listen to a few and you're not sure you're interested, you're not sure you want to contribute financially. At what point does, does the lecturer become the content provider only? And rather than you studying a course at a university, a prestigious university... When does that, or a non-prestigious university more specifically, when does that filter down to you then just studying a course with this one lecturer or this one group of lecturers? At what point does that, does that happen? At what point does it, are, are you now just studying psychology? Because you can have the same knowledge as someone without the flappy piece of paper that's a degree. And we're moving increasingly to a point where graduates find it difficult to be employed. I did. Despite the fact that I'm fucking amazing. <laughs> Transferable skills are the things that employers are after, right? So, you know, just having a degree is no longer evidence that you're any good at anything. You're still going to start in a position to sweep up and make the tea and then progress your way through. Problem is, 
people finish their degree and then think they're above sweeping up and making the tea or think they're above washing dishes. Now that's not the case with me, I wanted anything. And eventually I did find a job doing anything, I was cleaning. I worked in a laundry as well, or laundrette. Folding towels and bed sheets and pillowcases. And that's a transferable skill I still have to this day. If I have to fold a pair of a stack of towels in my room, believe it's hotel quality. <laughs> but if the piece of paper no longer becomes meaningful, meaning the degree, you know, if that piece of paper no longer means anything in of itself. 25, 30,000 pounds is a lot of money to pay for it in student loans. And they are student loans. You pay them back and they accrue interest. And at some point, the government may try and sell them again to a bank. It doesn't have to uphold the contract of, of not paying them back until you earn 21,000 pounds, is it? And they may never be a, if you haven't paid it off by this many years, we'll just wipe it sort of thing. may become more like the American system, where you can go bankrupt, and they will cancel every other debt you have, every other loan, except your student loans. You still owe those, and you still have to pay those every month. After bankruptcy... <laughs> Your student loan you cannot get away from in the States. And many, many people have hundreds of thousands of dollars of student debt. And there has to be a high percentage of people that never, ever pay that off. <clears throat> that for whatever reason things happen... Maybe they're trying, you know, the American dream of entrepreneurship and enterprise and it doesn't work and they're bankrupt and then they're forced. You're forced into into getting this, the job that the schooling system has prepared you for. It's prepared you for factory work or now office work. It's prepared you to work in your cubicle and do something you hate. Now, if you work in a cubicle and do something you love, more power to you. That's great. That's that's the goal. It's not the working in the cubicle bit that's bad in what I just said. It's the doing something you hate bit that's horrible, that's horrific. Day in and day out, something you don't like doing. And I've done it. I've done things, something I don't like doing. And it was out of necessity. You know, you have a child, you have to prepare to do something you don't want to do, to provide. Even if it is a means to an end. And Soul-sucking. I did something that was, that was killer, that was soul-sucking to me. I wasn't in an environment that I wanted to be in. And it really affected me personally. I was a different person for a while for it. 
maybe the last six months i've i've felt more of who i am but i'm i'm different than had i never have had that that experience in a good way i wouldn't change it i don't think perhaps i'd have done it for a less time <laughs> The goal is to find something that you want to do. And I think if you can find that before coming to university or while you're here at university, then that's fantastic. And if a degree is something you need and something you want in order to get to that goal, wonderful. Welcome, that's the reason you should be here. If a degree is not something that's necessary, but it's the thing you do because you finish your A-levels and that's what you do afterwards, you're selling yourself into slavery. Because you're forcing yourself in, into doing a job that A, you could probably do without your degree. And B, you're forcing yourself into, into bills And you might waste three years. Maybe not. Maybe you get a social interaction out of it. Maybe you get athletic endeavours out of it. And that's good. Maybe you can become an athlete because of it. Maybe you start your enterprise. Maybe you start a business while you're a student. And that experience of managing two things and being busy all the time and that learning how to cut social ties and understanding what friendship is that because you don't spend time with a friend because you're working on your craft or on your thing or on your company because you don't spend every waking moment talking to that friend that they aren't your real friend then you start to realise that that's not how it works you start to realise that you can cut people like that out of your life and not actively those people just are gradually cut because you just get on with your days you haven't got to physically cut anyone out and say I'm never going to talk to you again I'll cut you out of my life just get on with your life and be nice carry on and think what other situations people go through that bring them to this point we all have baggage what is your baggage that you're bringing to the conversation there's baggage, no doubt, I'm bringing to this conversation. And one of the beautiful things about starting this podcast has been listening to my own voice. Now, that's horrible and really hard to do. I hate listening to myself speak. But you start to notice the problems you have in conversations. Sometimes you say like, like a lot, like this, like this, like, uh, like, uh. And, uh, you know, you're saying things that it's making the conversation hard for you to listen to. Not so much for people listening in, but it's difficult for you to listen to yourself because you think you're being succinct and clear at the time. And you're not even close to that. But it lets me know a little bit clearer the baggage that I bring to a situation. That the way I'm saying things perhaps isn't clear and it's coming off in a way that's not it's not meant to and it 
it comes off in that way because you know it's a defense mechanism that i've brought here to and it's all come from everything that's happened previously and you know you you say things you 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 use words that are in your your regular your common sort of vernacular like the word retarded and you don't mean you don't mean that you mean silly and then you hear it so often you start to think why do i use the word retarded to mean something is silly am i saying that any other words that are associated with retarded is silly or am i using it in the terms of as in to retard something as in like retarding flames to make something less decreased functionality of something functionality whatever it really helps you sort of address same thing you know with lecturing I, I like to or talks I've given if I listen back it's horrible to do and it's torturous but you have to force yourself to listen to them I always have my headphones in most of the time I'm listening to people speak or me speak because then I can improve that. So I record every lecture I've given and every talk that I give just on my phone. I just put it near me while I'm talking. It doesn't have to be great audio quality. I'm not releasing it just so I can hear how I'm speaking and how I'm coming across. So the first time I did it, I'd hear myself repeating myself sometimes. So I'd say th something funny and I'd say it again uh, so that people would catch it <laughs> which is silly right the obvious one you catch is sort of awkward laughs I didn't do that too much but awkward laughs so you make a joke and then you laugh before anyone else laughs and then people notice that and that's a self esteem thing it's because you're so panicky you make a laugh and you're like ha <laughs> ha that's some big, loud, awkward laugh. It's horrendous. And then people laugh at the, at your terrible laugh, not at the content of your your joke. But the point is just being able to take a step back from you, trying to remove that ego as much as possible, and look at the actual thing you've produced, and you're gonna hate it. But you're supposed to. If you create anything, if you're creative in any way, you create any kind of content, you're going to hate it. <laughs> <coughs> that and, you know, predisposition to depression is what comes with being creative. If you're a creative person, you're going to hate your own art. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. Or maybe you're just centered and you know who you are. But I think the idea of hating it doesn't come from the fact that you think it's shit. That's what you're thinking at the time. But I think that really comes from the fact that you have a growth mindset. You think you can improve. You wish you could do better. Perhaps you compare it. Perhaps you compare your first lecture, your second lecture, to people who've been doing it for 30 years. 
to people who have been doing it for 30 years and are known for doing that on television. They've been doing it every day for 30 years and now they're famous lecturers or famous academics or whatever and you compare yourself to that. So you may compare yourself on a podcast or on a radio program to Neil deGrasse Tyson. See how you feel about yourself then. Compare yourself to him. See how you feel you come across in a in a podcast or on a radio show or something. You're going to hate the work you've produced because it's never going to be anywhere near as good as Neil deGrasse Tyson. But quite often we never think what he did to get to that point. How much work he's done. How hard he works to get to where he is and how good he is at what he does. And that applies for everybody. Not just Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's amazing. Yeah, it's the concept of, you know, for any Rick Ross fans out there, bitch, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. You haven't seen the work that's gone into this. You haven't done the work that's gone into this. You don't get the reward. You don't get that because you haven't done this work. You haven't you haven't done the grind. You have to do the grind. Then you understand more of yourself and you understand how to do this. And each time you can get better, even if it's a tiny, tiny bit. I think anyone who's lectured has had le- has points in lectures, if not the whole lecture where you've panicked and you've got nervous and you, you're short of breath. I have. Now, I think naturally maybe it doesn't come off. So maybe you can't see. But inside, I can't breathe. Sometimes. Not so much now. You know, the more I do it, the better it is. The more I do these podcasts, the better it is. Probably through this podcast, as the first one I'm doing alone, there's an improvement here. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe most people listening haven't even listened long enough to get to this point. But I'm going to have to listen to this. So we've got one listener. (laughs) (coughs) And I'm still coughing. But hey. Just to address maybe why um, there hasn't been one for a couple of weeks. I had a podcast with Dr. David Saunders. Uh, and the audio, I'm still doing something with the audio quality for that. Uh, it will be okay, but I'll keep it and release it when uh, when when I've sort of been able to fix it enough and, and, and release it. There's nothing in there that's that's so topical that it's going to be outdated. We talk a lot about consciousness and cool stuff, and David's super interesting and fascinating. And for sure, I'd love to get him on again, uh, maybe with others too, another point to get a better audio quality one. But I had some audio issues with the microphones not being picked up properly, uh, which hopefully now is different, and hopefully it's been addressed now. 
دیگه as i said if you like the free content so far i'm going to continue to do this at least as an excuse for me to talk to super interesting people in psychology and other fields and other things and help me develop my understanding of the way the world works and how individuals work and again just like everybody else i'm just trying to improve and we may say things that are incorrect we may say things that are insensitive intent i think is important on some level I think there are things that by 2017 you should know regardless of intent are not cool to say and I think absolutely you should get checked on the things that you say but I think forgiveness and redemption are things that should exist you should be able to get checked and come back and not be known forever as the person that said this horrible thing and be able to acknowledge that you know i was a different person you know a week ago providing you're still trying if you're a person who's trying to improve and of course athletes are every day sometimes multiple times per day you know there'll be different points where you think i'm going to get better at this practice than i was at this morning's practice at least every day or once a week you're trying to improve right i don't think it's any different in academic pursuits or social pursuits i think the goal is always to be better and more understanding and be able to take other people's baggage on board during conversations understand the things people may have gone through in order to get to the point they're at and the better you can understand that in real time i think the less likely you are to be you know insensitive because you you perhaps choose your words better another thing i think that that helps if you can listen to yourself speak you start to and again it's horrible but you you may start to choose your words a little better and pause when perhaps otherwise you don't pause and everything's just a blur of shit it's just just words spewing just vomit you know if you listen to conversations from most people it is literally people are saying nothing and they're saying nothing to each other all day and social media has given everyone a platform to show their opinion as if anybody cares giant facebook posts the reason that i don't use facebook i use twitter is cuz you can't bore me <laughs> cuz two lines in you've run out of characters so we just move on but yeah 
I hope you're enjoying the podcast. The audio is fine now, so from next week we're back and we've got plenty lined up. Uh, we've got four lined up within the next two weeks. So I may just release them all as they come. So the two a week. Or I may not, and I may release them week to week, but just have the two as backup in case. Again, as as last week, um, we had an audio issue or someone didn't show. Uh, But this is the first one where it's just me, and hopefully it's not horrendous. I may do it again. Let me know if it's awful. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. Please, if you enjoy the content, share. Give us a review on iTunes. Give us a nice little five star. It helps us on the on the ratings. It helps us get more listeners. And more listeners means we can get more guests. More guests means I can do more podcasts. We can do it more often. And have bigger segments and, and you know, you shout outs and bring in listeners. That would be awesome, because I'm sure there's listeners that, well, there are listeners that do some really interesting, awesome stuff, and uh, that just can't get here. They can't get to where the studio is, and I can't get to where they are. So it would be awesome, you know, if we could get a bigger listener base, and, and I can get there, you know. I can get to where they are then. Whether we bring in money or or whatever, then I can you know, pay to bring someone down. Again, this isn't about, I'm not doing this for money, I'm not trying to make any money. I don't care about that, I'm doing this anyway. It's fun. But yeah, trapademic.com. I'm at Alex P. Wilson on Twitter. If you want to get involved, or if you have questions for people, or ideas on people to get on, or opinions, good or bad. Maybe I've said something wrong and need educating. Please do that be awesome to hear your opinions and, and your thoughts on everything and uh, and you know the baggage you bring as well and the baggage I bring and if I'm full of shit that's some weird noise if you can hear that in the background it's a fan turning on I've been Alex P. Wilson just Alex Wilson this is the Trapademic Podcast thank you for listening